Hello and welcome to 201X Best Games of the Decade, where we talk about the best games that came out in the past 10 years, year by year. I am Jared, also known as Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And here with Mikey, also known as Keylock. Hey, what's up, everybody? And like I said, for each year of this decade, we will drill down the top 10 games of that year. And this episode, we are covering the best games of 2019, final year in the decade, final year of 201X. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been quite quite the ride. It's been a and we, we've been doing this for yeah, we've been doing this a lot longer than these episodes have been coming out. So it may, it was twelve weeks to you. It was like four months for us. Okay, guys, <laughs> like <laughs> it was a lot. Has it but, been uh, four <laughs> months really? We started like what? Yeah, we August st- September. Jesus, like Christ. August. Like, yeah. I, like I think like yeah, like August we started it. So. Wow. Yeah. It has been a while. But uh, before we get started, I'd like to welcome back any listeners. You know, we uh, we appreciate you sticking with us, and you know, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback on the show, on the picks. You know, so if you have something to say, you can reach out to us on Twitter at the Mash Network or on our Discord, Discord.me/slash/MashThoseButtons. And also welcome any new listeners to the show. You know, if you're just joining us for 2019. Hopefully you join us for the other shows as well. But uh, yeah, also, before we get started, I uh, just want to talk about the lock-in system one last time, because the best games of the decades will not have a lock-in system, that episode. So this is the final year that we are going to have the lock-in system. And basically what the lock-in system is, is for each you know each year, each host had an opportunity to pick a game and lock it into the top 10. And you know that lock-in pick does not guarantee the space you know, a specific space in the top 10, but it at least gets it in the list for the top 10 and we'll be announcing those picks as they come up. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our list with number 10. Best games of 2019, number 10, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. Infinity Ward's latest entry in the Call of Duty franchise Modern Warfare was released to high praise in 2019. Moving away from the flashy, Hollywood blockbuster-style storytelling fans are used to, the Modern Warfare campaign takes a more grounded approach to how it visualizes war, giving players a darker story where they are left making life-and-death decisions in an instant. With a focus on being more tactical and the inclusion of such features as realism mode, Call of Duty continued to expand the franchise in new and surprising directions. All right, coming at number 10, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And surprise, this is a lock and pick for me, which I, I didn't think there was going to be a Call of Duty anywhere in this list. But I do have to give Infinity Ward or well, the, the series at least props where it is due. You know, I think what Call of Duty, I think Call of Duty is about 16 years old, I think, at this point. Like it's, I'm trying to think when the, I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure it's 16 years old or so. And this Call of Duty really feels like the first one in a while where they weren't just trying to catch up or keep up with what's happening in, you know, FPS games. Um, uh, I think it's easier for me to like start with the negatives and the positives because less negatives to this game. I guess it depends what you really play the game for, right? Like if you if you only play Call of Duty for multiplayer, you may have some problems with this game. 
because the, the the multiplayer does have a problem with balance a bit. They've been trying to like when I <laughs> I had a good time with the multiplayer, but there are some shotguns in this game that act like they're sniper rifles. So uh, that was a bit of a problem. I wasn't a huge fan of of Warzone because essentially Warzone is Battlefield, but this game really isn't built for that. It's 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 not the way the weapons work and things of that nature. So I wasn't too fun with that. I didn't have too much fun with that, but with the regular, more classic modes, I thought it was still a pretty good game. So uh, the multiplayer wasn't bad, but definitely not the best. I know a lot of people who like the multiplayer went back to play Black Ops 4. But what I really enjoy in this game is the single player. Like the, the campaign really carries this game. I mean, first of all, it looks great. It has some of the best facial animations I think I've seen in a, in a very long time. I remember back when Modern Warfare 2 was going to come out and Bobby Kotick was talking about how he wanted, you know, his game, the games to kind of play like movies. And that's what they did with Modern Warfare 2 and 3 and actually even going forward. Uh, but they went with more of a outrageous movie style like like The Rock or a Michael Bay film. Everything's exploding. You're shooting nukes down hallways, you know, shit like that. Blowing up the Eiffel Tower. Shock value, shock value, shock value. And this game kind of rolls that back. Like, I'm not going to call the Modern Warfare that came out in 2019 realistic, but it definitely toned it down uh, quite a bit. It toned it down quite a bit. It was it was less flash, and they tried to give it more of a realistic feel. Like, the story is not ridiculous. And, you know, unlike previous Call of Duties, like, pedestrians will die, and it's not like a flashy thing. Like, No Russian, for example. You know, like, No Russian was definitely all about flash and shock value. But in this one, like, I think it was almost a little shocking how little they did when you accidentally killed somebody, right? Like, whether a terrorist kills somebody or you accidentally shoot somebody, they just drop to the ground and that is it. And it's kind of like you're just, you would expect there to be something that happens and there's nothing because that's the reality of the situation, you know? Um, I think uh, some of the the story portions in the really, like, the extreme close quarters were really intense because super tight. You have less than a second to make a life or death decision, whether you're going to shoot somebody or not. And you'll end up, you know, you could end up shooting an innocent woman, innocent child in these compounds and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a little, uh, it's like I said, it's, it's less flash, a bit more realism, but not necessarily realistic. You know, that's, that's what I would say. Like, you know, it's a bit more serious. It takes it takes itself more seriously, you know. And then it mix up the the single player mixes up the the formula a bit, you know. Instead of just sending you down linear paths over and over again, each level is a linear path. You know, you do still have that where you have you know linear paths to push in a single direction, but you have some maps that open up a bit and give you options on how to move around and how you want to approach situations. And like I said, you have the extreme close quarters maps. And then you have, like, maps that rely on, you know, complete darkness. Like, that was one of my favorite missions where you have a, you have this map where you can shoot out lights or you can power down a building. And that map is actually completely open. You can go anywhere you want to go and approach situation how you want. And then you have situations like uh, where you have to guide, you know, you got a hostage through uh, a building that has been, you know, taken over by terrorists and stuff like that. So, yeah, like they, it, it was good. I, I had a, I had a really good time with it. The story was solid. 
And I mean, the thing about Call of Duty games, you're still going to get solid shooting, especially in the single player, because you don't have to worry about all the perk bullshit and stuff like that. And I don't know, you just this game didn't necessarily make you feel like a super soldier, like you know, <laughs> like, like previous Call of Duties. That it actually felt closer to like a Call of Duty one or a Call of Duty two, minus the fact that you know, Call of Duty, the thing about Call of Duty one and Call of Duty two is you were really that was like you you were really just like a private right you were a low ranking soldier and so actually the theory behind that game was like every time you died you were just a different person but you know the developers never confirmed or denied that but um yeah you still don't have that like you're still kind of like you know an elite soldier but you are human to say the least so yeah i just called you like i said i locked it in i thought it deserved it so fight me whatever <laughs> Uh, but okay, I mean, we can move on to number nine. Best games of 2019, number nine, Death Stranding. After leaving Konami, fans waited with high anticipation for what Hideo Kojima would do next. Death Stranding wasn't what many expected, and its reception was mixed among critics and gamers alike. With an all-star cast including Guillermo del Toro, Mads Mikkelsen, and Norman Reedus, Death Stranding continued Kojima's quest to merge cinematics and gameplay into an art form. Death Stranding had a message that, instead of being delivered by the narrative, is woven into the gameplay. Some players will get it, some won't. If you know, you know. Okay, coming at number nine, just get ready, because I'm gonna I'm probably the only person that's gonna talk about this one as well. Mike didn't play the game. Christina didn't make it far enough for her to say anything. I Go played ahead, a Mike. whole three hours. Sadly, not enough. Two of those hours were cutscenes. I feel like <laughs> I might have played three hours, maybe two hours, but like I felt like I played for maybe five minutes at that time. Wait, let me let me rephrase. I played probably two hours. I watched probably three hours. It's what it felt yeah, like. Yeah, you're, you're still uh, at the start of the game. Yeah, yeah. like that's what it felt like. Anyways. The, the the beginning of the game is very cutscene heavy, and the end of the game is extremely cutscene heavy. Like, that's the thing. I mean, this this game, I think when it, when it came out, actually, I mean, I think in one of the draft episodes, I made fun of this game, but I had only played 30 hours of it. After playing 40 hours of it, I got it. I was like, okay, I get it now. Like, <laughs> I get the game now. But that's part of I think it's one of the problems with Death Stranding because there are so many. The reviews are all over the place. You have a lot of places that reviewed it that will give it like a five or a six. I, one place gave it like a one out of five. I can't remember what Giant Bomb gave it. I know they they, they just trashed the game. Uh, and, it was like two. I think it was two out of five. Yeah, like... But that's the thing about this game, this is a terrible game to have to review. Like, if you got this game early, it was like th this is a terrible game to review because one, it's a slow game, period. And if you try to rush through it, you will be punished. <laughs> like, that's the, like you, you'll be punished. Like, if you try to rush through like the first ten hours of the game, you're gonna be falling a lot, tripping a lot, dropping your packages. Uh, you know, you're gonna be alerting BTS. You know, you're, you're not going to have the tools you need to survive. Like, the game forces you to play it slowly, you know. So, and then on top of that, if you don't play this game online, like, even if they played the game online when they reviewed this game, there wasn't that many, like, there couldn't have been that many people reviewing the game, you know. And with not having that many people around, that means 
They had to build their own roads. They had to build their own infrastructure. That's really fucking tough. The first 10 hours of this game are rough, man. Like, they are. Like, it's a 10-hour tutorial. <laughs> like, that, that's what it is. That's, you are not, you're not, sell- you need to, come on, I need you to get to the good parts. Tell the good parts now, because so far you're, you haven't explained why it's number nine, so. Right, yeah, so that's the thing, like, the first ten hours of this game is rough, like, that's when I, that, like, when I got to, after the first ten hours, I'm not going to say it was all good, but that's when the first good things really started to happen. Uh, you know, Troy Baker shows up, his character is great, he's, he's my, the fa- my favorite character in the entire game. And after you get through the first 10 hours of the game, now the game actually opens up. Now you can build infrastructure, which means you can build roads, you can build private rooms, you can build lifts, uh, you get weapons that uh, help you move through the world, like with the BTs or with the mules and stuff like that. And basically by building up the infrastructure in the game, it will allow you to deliver more packages, which allows you to get uh, you know better weapons and better upgrades and things like that. So the slow aspect of the game starts to whittle away quite a bit once you get into, I would say, this like that that second area. How many hours areas. to the second area? I said ten area, ten hours to the ten second. Ten hours, area. Like okay. That's ten hours to the second area. That's that's where that's where uh, you know, I think a lot of people actually. I watched one review. It was a six minute review. The first four minutes were about the t- first ten hours of the game. <laughs> the first four minutes about the first ten hours of the game, and then, like I said, it kind of opens up, and then, like I, that, even that feels like it's just kind of it's trying to prepare you for the mountainous area because that shit is rough, and that's the area that kind of made me realize what the game is about. <laughs> you know, the story of the game, like now that I've beaten it, the story of the game does not start until like you almost beat the game, in my opinion. You know. So all that, all the praise and accolades that like, uh, you know, Mads is getting, that Kojima's getting, that uh, you know, Norman Reedus is getting about the dialogue and the acting for the game, all that's like at the end of the game. But the main story of the game is essentially your experience in the game, you know, like coming across these obstacles. Because the main gameplay loop is simple: pick up packages, deliver packages. But everything in between that is up to you. And your experience in the game can be vastly different than uh, somebody else's experience in the game. Even with the hardest run in the game, I chose to approach it one way based on decisions that I had already made, upgrades I made, infrastructure I had built already, paths that I had walked, you know. And somebody else could have chosen a completely different way to handle it. And, you know, that that's. It's kind of like I said. It's it's a tough game to talk about because it really is about your experience. Like I know, like the 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 part that really made me understand the game is it was actually in one of the harder runs of the game where I had to take these really heavy, really big packages across, like over a mountain. And so I get the packages up the mountain and then I choose a way to go down the mountain. But then that way down the mountain has like landslides and stuff like that. So I have to make my way through that. Then after that, the next area has BTs. I got to get through that. And then the next area after that has terrorists that I got to fight through to get through that. And then 
after I get all through that, I'm walking down the hill toward the final objective. This music starts playing, and it was just extremely appropriate for what had just happened, like the events that I had just went through. And it was almost like a sigh of relief that I had gotten that done. And then I was like, I understand the game now. So it's definitely, you know, the funny thing, I still wouldn't recommend the game to play to somebody. Like I wouldn't like say I wouldn't, it couldn't just be anybody to recommend the game to, right? Like it's not one of those games that's like, oh man, this game is so amazing. You got to play it. It's not one of those games. But if like if I if I'm talking to somebody, I'm like, you know, like there's a couple people who I'm like, you should probably play Death Stranding. Like I think you should play Death Stranding. Like Nick from Wild Talk, I think he'd actually enjoy Death Stranding if he played it. <laughs> so this is not for everybody, but the game is about the experience. It's about it's probably one of the best multiplayer games to come out last year, and you'll never meet anybody face to face. Like you have to play this game multiplayer. Play this game offline, and you are. Don't even just don't do it. <laughs> like, like don't do it. Like you need play. You need those other players to help you build the infrastructure, or you'll just be doing everything by yourself, and it's extremely difficult. And the, even the like system. There's a like system in the game where people can like your, they can like your infrastructure and stuff like that, or like the, like you know buildings you put up or structures you put up, and it's just feels kind of gimmicky you know at first but then when like you're really helping somebody in need like if you go through and build like let's say a network of lifts and that helps other players it feels great when you actually get those likes i actually did that like i uh there was one um section in the mountains where i climbed up one mountain and there's a lift there but there's no lift on the other side like i can't see it I got on the lift just in case maybe there was like a whiteout or something like that, and that's why I couldn't see it. Like, no, it just wasn't there. So I take the road, and it's like two valleys I have to go through. There's BTs on the other side, and it's a pain in the ass. But when I get to the other side, I'm like, okay, there's another lift here, but those lifts can't, they're too far away from each other. If I can just get another lift in the middle, we'll be golden. So I actually end up going all the way back to the home base getting the supplies I need, coming back to the mid and putting it up. And I logged off the game shortly after that. I came back the next day and I had thousands of likes, like thousands of likes. And, you know, I mean, there's lots of people who got to use that lift. I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's a cool thing. So, you know, the game is about connecting people together and working together and like, hey, you know, you're not alone. You need other people. But the game doesn't just say that or beat that into your head with the dialogue it actually like shows you and that that's how the game plays now i mean in terms of other that other stuff like the tangibles like the game is a technical marvel the game looks amazing it's one of the best looking games i've seen in quite some time in terms of environment and how it looks and that's on a ps4 pro i don't know what it looks like on a regular ps4 though but on ps4 pro it looks fantastic when it comes to pc it's going to look amazing uh, I won't be getting it on PC though. I've experienced it. I'm good now. Like, <laughs> like I, 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 I am good. And like I said, the, the story portions of it, like the acting and the dialogue, like it is unique. It is definitely unique and probably the closest thing you're going to get to a movie. Uh, you know, cause that's what Kojima wants to do. He wants to make a movie bad. He wants to make a video game movie. Uh, but like, like I said, that all that comes at the end. It's almost like a reward for making it through the journey. So 
Yeah, I will say like the little bit of time that I put into the game, the environment that they built and like just how the atmosphere feels just walking out of the town for the first time when you're doing something and like the music's playing. And I don't know if music's playing every time you leave this town, but that no, no, just like that part was like a really good feeling like, okay, I'm off to do something. Um, But everybody plays games for different reasons. I play games to have fun. This isn't a fun game. It's an entertainment game, but like it's not my kind of entertainment. So I think it's how I, I would view it. It's it's not fun per se, but it is entertaining if you like that kind of stuff. Yeah, like the more you play it, the more you get out of it. You know, like that that it, it's definitely one of those games. That it's nice to have an area that was difficult to get through before, and now you get through it with no problem. You know, because maybe you you spent the time to b- bring the resources to build the road, or you set up a lift system, and you know stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Plus, like later in the game, there's way more options for what you can do. Early game, and this is why another reason why the first 10 hours are so rough. Like, you are really just stuck doing one thing, and that is walking and that's in dodging BTs. That's the only thing you can do, you know, in the beginning of the game. And later in the game, when you have your non-lethal weapons and your lethal weapons and your BT killing weapons. You have a whole assortment of all that stuff. It gives you a bunch of options on how you want to approach situations. I mean, you even get like a weapon that allows you to melee BTs a little later on. So the game, that's one another reason why the game opens up way more later in the in, in that part of the game. But part of the problem is like most people won't spend the time to get there. It's one, it's like a, this game, it's like if there was like a video game Oscars, like this game would probably win all the awards at the video game Oscars, <laughs> to be honest with you. So I guess it's, I will say it's, it's a good game. It's just not for everybody, but it, it is one of the best games of 2019. It, it definitely is. Even if you, I mean, you may not like it, but it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said it took me 40 hours to get there, folks. 40 hours to reach the conclusion <laughs> to like, okay. Okay, it, Kojima is a genius. I mean, okay. I guess it's better than doing 120 in Persona 5. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> but um. it, it, like y'all said, it's a technical fucking marvel. I will not diss the game on its presentation or the message behind it or anything like that. I just, me personally, it just isn't a game for me. Like, I just did not enjoy my time, actually, when I had to play the game. So, that's about it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I went into the, I just went into the game with no expectations whatsoever at all. Like, that's, and I think that's what kind of drove me through it. You know, that's what pulled me through the 10 hours. Like, I'm like, everybody, like so many people are raving about this game. I got I I have to be missing something, but I'll, it took me forty hours to get to the point where I realized like what the deal was. I think if you struggle earlier in the game, the, the like when you when you actually start to struggle in the game, I think that's when it kind of comes to you, right? But my struggle didn't come late into the game, you know. So that's that's the thing. I this is a game that's also I think there's a timer on when you can play it, right? Mm-hmm. Because if there's not a lot of people playing this game, 
you're going to not be able, the infrastructure is not going to be built out. I even felt it a little bit because when I first played it, like back in November, um, the the infrastructure wasn't necessarily built out. Like I helped build a lot of it, but there were like a ton of like vehicles around for me to grab. Like I never had to make a vehicle. And now, like this time when I played it now, like the, the more infrastructure is built out, but there were like no vehicles and stuff like that for me to take. Like there were like the resources that people leave behind weren't as readily available. Mm, okay. So, so yeah, like it's it's kind of like that's not, like, talking about the game is it's kind of strange because it's like I can't tell you why you will enjoy this game. <laughs> you know, almost every other game on this list or almost every other game on the previous list. It's like this game is X, Y, Z, one, two, three, and this is why it's a good game. But this game is solely dependent on your experience. And if you refuse to kind of bend to the game a bit, like, you know, the fact that you cannot rush through this game, then you're going to hate You're going to hate it. Absolutely. So. But, uh, yeah, that's it. That's, that's enough for Death Stranding. Let's go into number eight. Best games of 2019, number eight. Mortal Kombat 11. NetherRealm Studios continued their mastery of the fighting game genre with Mortal Kombat 11. Despite complaints about microtransactions, the game was well received with fans praising gameplay, graphics, and the improved net code. The addition of fatal blows and crushing blows kept the visceral nature of Mortal Kombat games front and center. With a story to wrap up the ongoing saga of the Mortal Kombat games, Mortal Kombat 11 was a fitting way for the franchise to close out the decade. Okay, number eight, Mortal Kombat 11. I've talked enough for the last, like, 20, 25 <laughs> minutes. I'm going to let Mikey talk now. Hi. Mortal Kombat 11 is probably uh, the second best Mortal Kombat game that has ever been released. Uh, it is amazing, the visual presentation that game brings. Every character looks fucking out of this world even when you're ripping their fucking spine out and throwing it to the ground and stomping on it like all all the visuals are here the story mode the campaign is probably the best fucking campaign nrs has ever done like to date like there is so much fan service for the mortal Kombat fans out there that there's just and they don't there's a lot of fan service but the story actually like does a good job of wrapping stuff up as well as, you know, paying homage to MK as a series. Uh, the roster is super solid for the characters they picked to be in there. The DLC has been knocking it out of the fucking park every game. The only thing that I do not like about this game, honestly, is the currency for the crypt is a little egregious, in my opinion. Uh, but other than that, the game is stellar. There's a couple of things, though, that makes the game a little <sighs> vanilla. Like, it makes it a little bland after a long time of playing it because you start just seeing, like, the most optimal. To do the most optimal things with a character is not very difficult in this game. Therefore, you start seeing everyone just doing the most optimal things all the time, so it starts just wearing on you. Uh, but other than that, like the game is great. It has great single player content with all its towers. It's rotating out of different events. Uh, the unlocks, the costume adjustments are great. 
I absolutely want to commend them 100% on how they handled the special move selections in this game versus how they did it in, our, in, uh, in Justice 2. The only problem I have, though, is they didn't allow uh, custom variations for ranked. They only let certain variations work in ranked, and I think they just need to let that shit fly. Just let just let people let players go wild with it. But I understand it's a balance thing. But anyways, MK11 is a fucking amazing Mortal Kombat game. Kudos to NRS. And their fucking netcode is great in this game. I only had a few match a few days where I had really bad matches. And I think then they launched an update and then patched it for whatever was wrong in the early days. Otherwise, I haven't had a lot of problems online with Mortal Kombat, which is amazing nowadays because every other fucking fighting game is terrible online for some reason. But I don't know. Kudos to this game. Cheers to you. Y'all fucking knocked it out of the park. This is like one of the, I think I, I just didn't get a chance to play it. Like this is, I didn't get a chance to play this year's Mortal Kombat. I want to because I enjoyed MK, I enjoyed MK9 and MKX, you know. Because, you know, I don't play, I, I'm, I don't, it's not like I play versus, right? So even if the net code wasn't that great, I wouldn't care. But, I mean, NRS fighting games, they've, they've kind of made a, 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 almost a little niche where you can enjoy the fighting game without having to get involved in online multiplayer. Like if it's just in, you know, in single player or campaign, it's a, it's, it's a good story. I really don't understand why other fighting game developers can't do that. You know, money, you think it's money. WB, WB games, like they got money to throw around. Also Mortal Kombat is one of the most, I would say other than Street Fighter, the most financially successful. Like I would say they're almost more financially successful than Street Fighter in some aspects because like at least for the American audience anyway, like they eat that shit up. Like they they sell Mortal Kombat sells gangbusters like all the time. Also, but Street Fighter Street Fighter has an incredible amount of it's pro, it's the most recognized fighting game for sure. Mm-hmm. So if they put a little extra, it's a flagship. They put a little extra behind that, it, it'll it will it'll definitely deliver for it's them. It's the most recognizable, but it, honestly, they Street Street Fighter has a problem selling sometimes because of their aesthetic, because they don't because it's hard to appeal to the mass market. With how they do, whereas Mortal Kombat, I mean, you just look at it and it's like this screams mass market just because of all the fucking violence in it, and also because of the characters look more realistic. Versus Street Fighter has more of a anime vibe to it, right? So I well, mean, you, it just okay, well, depends. Let's take another huge franchise like Dragon Ball Fighters, you know. Well, that's Dragon Ball, like exactly. That's another huge. That's another huge. Like you know, franchise that don't, they they did give you like a campaign, but let's be honest, it's a glorified it training mode. Yeah, campaign it's a glorified was bad training Dragon mode. Ball so Fighter Z, like yeah, right. I'm sorry, it's, it's Gra- a, Dragon Ball Fighters. Someone will kill Dragon me Ball Fighters. Some, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I but I mean, it's a, it is yeah, it's a glorified training mode. So that's what I'm saying. Like more like NRS has blazed this path and given us two not done one but two great franchises with great storylines. You know, Mortal Kombat and Injustice. One of the best Injustice is one of the best selling comic books of all time. Or you know, so it's like, yeah, like they 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 they've blazed this blazed this path. Like, okay, copy the shit they're doing, guys. Like, you know, sometimes it's like 
I don't know. It's just the way fighting games go. I think that a lot of companies that push out fighting games are just like, well, this is going to be a for a subset. The one thing I will say is that the good thing about the way that fighting game companies are like Capcom or um, what was that? Is it Atlas that makes uh, Guilty Gear? Arc System Arc. Works. Arc, Arc System Works. Sorry, sorry I said Atlas. But, um, you know, they really focus on game balance as opposed to accessibility because they know at the end of the day who's going to continue to spend money on the game once it has kind of sold. Yeah, know? which makes me worried about Guilty Gear Strive from what I've been hearing. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, well, with that, let's go ahead and go into our number seven game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Best games of 2019, number seven, Fire Emblem, Three Houses. Mixing the turn-based tactical gameplay of prior Fire Emblem games with social simulation features, Fire Emblem, Three Houses proved a worthy entry in the Nintendo's fantasy franchise. Although some complained about an easier difficulty than was typical for the series, Three Houses was still beloved for its narrative, soundtrack, and replayability. Fire Emblem earned its spot as a top game of 2019. All right, coming at number seven, Fire Emblem Three Houses. And this was a popular game for you two, so I'll let you two take that away. (laughs) I didn't play this at all, so I have nothing to say about it. (laughs) That's fair. Do you want to go first? Um, Yeah, so actually my experience with Fire Emblem before this was none I've always kind of been interested in the in the series but like it's always been so intimidating to get into and then this game came out and I was like everybody's playing it and I wasn't even going to get it and then the night it came out I literally downloaded it I was like all right this is happening I'm playing this and just from like a beginner's standpoint it it played very well it was very easy to get into the battle system's not hard to understand especially if you've played any kind of like tactic kind of game before where you're like walking on like a grid I guess just a tactic game I don't I don't know how else to explain that um I think a big thing for me and I think that this game got popular because of it is because I'm a huge Persona fan and Persona 5 did really well and when you find out oh you can like romance people and be friends with people like that system kind of pulled me in a lot so like I find more enjoyment out of the getting to know my students and teaching them and hanging out with them and doing tea parties and stuff like that than the fighting. But the more you do that, the more it helps you with the fighting. So 
I had a lot of fun with the amount that I did play this game, and it's a game that I want to go back and play. Um, but I didn't really have any issues with it, especially since I didn't play on a hard mode and I didn't play on permadeath mode, because forget that. I'm not about that life. Yeah, I mean, th t from I've played a lot of Fire Emblems. I've used to my my history with it goes back to like GBA Fire Emblem. I'm not hardcore like Japanese import Fire Emblem players out there, but like I I played them when they came to the states. Um, this is probably the best Fire Emblem since Awakening, in my opinion. Um, it really evolved the series in the way that it handles combat and it added a lot of new tactical elements that I really appreciated. I really enjoyed the story I got to play for the most part. I didn't appreciate that I needed to do three playthroughs with three different houses to get the full story, but I do get the idea of replayability and how like if you are not an adult with a job and have lots of time on your hands, this is fucking amazing. Like, I, I get that, and I appreciate that for what it is. Um, the other thing is, the uh, the roster is just really solid in this game. Everybody seems to have a purpose, and every character matters. So I really appreciated when I... Uh, I wish I had played it on a harder difficulty and turned permadeath on, knowing that, like, they added a function that lets you rewind turns in the game. So, like, there's lots of ways to catch yourself in this game if you mess up. So, for the hardcore Fire Emblem fans, I would recommend cranking it up the difficulty and all that kind of stuff. If you haven't played it already, obviously, if you're a hardcore Fire Emblem fan, you probably already have fucking played this game to death. Uh, but it, it's just a really good tactical turn-based JRPG. I think the Fire Emblem team learned a lot working with the Atlas team on Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE. And I think they definitely took a lot of what they learned from that game and carried it over into Fire Emblem. And it really shows with their social interactions and how those social interactions integrate into the combat. So I have to commend this game on basically winning me back over with Fire Emblem because I was kind of done with Fire Emblem after Fire Emblem Ifs and Fire Emblem Echoes uh, um, the, the remake of one of the older Fire Emblems or whatever. Because I was just not feeling those at all. But it, it's good to see Fire Emblem doing well again. It's it's good to see Fire Emblem like taking off even stronger than it ever has before. Um, and just shout outs to them for fucking knocking this game out of the park. Yeah, and the reason I didn't really fight it on the list is because I've heard nothing but good things about this game. You know? So usually like when games like this kind of come into my circle and I'm hearing nothing but good things, I'm like, oh. Sounds like, you know, it's probably a really good game. <laughs> if, that, if that's the point, if I was actually into games like this, I probably would be uh, more inclined to play it. But the only thing I know about Fire Emblem Smash, that's that's it. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of people's. Friend. That's a lot of people's introduction of Fire Emblem is because of Smash. It did get a lot of awards and shout outs to you during the game awards, so that was that was pretty cool to see. Okay, well, let's go ahead and get into our next game. Let's get into number six. Best Games of 2019, number 6, Apex Legends. After the critically loved but commercially ignored Titanfall 2, Respawn surprised the world by releasing Apex Legends with no prior announcement. 
noteworthy entry into the battle royale genre. Fans love the innovative ping system and the integration of Titanfall-inspired mechanics. A fun lineup of diverse characters rounds out the appeal of Apex Legends, which is why it was such a dominant game in 2019. All right, coming at number six, Apex Legends literally came out of nowhere. Could you say huh? it was a uh, it dropped spicy on everybody? Yeah, I could, but I'm trying to avoid like you know saying lame shit right now. Damn! <laughs> I was trying to do a plug. All right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it did come out of nowhere. Just just for reference, if you if you play Apex, we do have an Apex Legends podcast called Dropping Spicy. So, but thanks, Mike. <laughs> you play. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it really did come out of nowhere. I think there was like the weekend before Apex Legends was actually announced, there was like a leak that something was happening. Some kind of news was coming out. And obviously, everybody thought it was Titanfall related. And technically speaking, it is because Apex Legends happens in the same universe. But no, I, I think it was like that Monday, boom, Apex Legends comes out. And it's like, oh, great. The first reaction, great. Another Battle Royale game. Here we go. But no, it was actually really good. I mean, it's extremely team focused. Uh, you know, it, it was not pay to win because you, uh, you know, actually, I think all of the legends were unlocked except two. And even, what was it? Uh, was it Gibraltar and... Mirage uh, and uh, the Toxic guy. I can't remember his oh. name. So, yeah. For, it was like uh, the two white Caustic. dudes. The two white Caustic. dudes were not were locked. That's all I remember. Yeah, Mirage Caustic. and Caustic. And they weren't like two... They weren't, weren't like... They, it wasn't like they were overpowered. So if you bought them, you'd just be winning. So that's the game wasn't really paid to win. The only thing you could really do was buy cosmetics. And... I mean, the game changed FPS communication, period. Like, if your game does not have a ping system now, I think you're falling behind. You have to. <laughs> like, border. Like honestly, like, Borderlands, we, we were playing Borderlands 3, and I was like, my God, do I want a ping system so bad? There is a ping system oh, there, there is. It is. It just wasn't. I feel like it was good. It just didn't, like, it wasn't as good. I don't know. It wasn't as good. It wasn't as fluid. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah, but they, they did have a ping system. They tried. You know, it was an afterthought when they when they saw Apex Legends, like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's see if we can kind of squeeze it into our game. It, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Respawn has, ex you know, just extreme expertise when it comes to first-person shooters. So you get that very polished, good sound design, good weapon design, good net code, uh, you know, FPS experience with this. Now, obviously, it's a little different because... It is a battle royale, so you know a lot of stuff is about the the weapons that you find, the quality of weapons that you find, the attachments that you find. So it's not as slick as you would have if you just straight up played Titanfall Two multiplayer, which I'm pretty sure this game actually revived Titan Titanfall Two multiplayer. Like there was still a, a pretty decent community in Titanfall Two multiplayer, but I think this game made people kind of go back because I really wish they just open up like a like a, de a team deathmatch, a capture the flag mode in Apex Legends, like I would be in that game like all the time. But no, nah, they 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 did a great job with it. They did a great job releasing it. They've been, you know, keep you know, it's a game as a service, so they've been keeping it up to date with new heroes, new modes, new maps, special events. I do hear 
that their their pricing structure for event items isn't that good. Like they're definitely whale hunting on that front. Like it's expensive. These these uh, like I'm talking about like you can either buy an Apex item or you can buy a meal. Expensive, <laughs> you know, uh, for the the, the uh, special items in this game or the event items. So that's probably a negative. I mean, obviously the game's not balanced perfectly. No game is, but the overall balance of the game is uh, it's pretty good. You know, I would I would hear more complaints on dropping spicy if there was an actual like a real problem. They did have they did have a bit of a misstep with the community, uh, a little little miscommunication there. But I think they got over that hump. But for the most part, this is I don't know. Is this the best multiplayer game of 2019? That. I I think it's up there. It's debatable. It is very debatable. Like Yeah. It's up there with Death Stranding. No, fucking with you. <laughs> no, it's uh yeah, it's it is definitely in the in the debate for one of the best multiplayer. I I can't think of anything in terms of multiplayer that's better than this. I'm talking competitive multiplayer that's just better than this game. I mean, I don't like Battle Royale games, and I even like this. I like Apex Legends. Shooter-wise, yeah, probably. I could, like, I I don't know. I don't know what's better this year than Apex when it comes to shooter-wise multiplayer. Yeah, they just just did great. And I think this kind of helped EA a a bit with the flub that was uh, Anthem. I mean... I don't know how you drop a ball harder than that. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you set up Anthem to fail even harder. Like you released Apex and then you released Anthem. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no. Like with Apex, it was that. It was just really good. Like it, it's, it's such a clean game. Like you know, it's such a clean experience. And the fact that you know, it's it's hard enough to get people to talk in online multiplayer, but the fact that you know, you don't even have to talk really to be a, an effective communicator. You cannot be on the mic and effectively communicate. This person's over here. This enemy's here. This item's here. All that stuff. You know, it, it is literally the best for people because, like, you know how toxic like voice chat can be in first-person shooters, right? Well, if you just like limit yourself to just doing the ping system, you can still get by without having to deal with all that toxicity that you might run into. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I just I, I've been en- I've enjoyed the game. I always want to play it more, but then when I look in the Discord, everybody's already grouped up in the threes already. You know, three three man game. Even though I hear they're experimenting with twos or even fours, so I'm curious to see how that's going to happen. They had twos available as an event, I think, at some point. Right, I want to say, but yeah, yeah. So I know there's, there's some speculation that these modes and that they're doing for the event now that they're kind of preparing for an arcade, like kind of like Overwatch has an arcade that they might be preparing Apex to have an arcade. If that's the case, I think that's actually pretty cool. I thought the event that they had during the or the holiday season was actually pretty cool. The one with the train. Did you play that? Yeah, it was dope. I liked it. Yeah. So now they did it. They did a good job. Respawn. I mean what so for those who don't know the the guys from respawn or a team they're the same people who made call of duty originally right right call of duty one two uh not call of duty three uh call of duty uh modern warfare 
and Modern Warfare 2. Same team uh, before that Medal of Honor. So it's like, when's the last time they made a bad game? <laughs> when's the last time Respawn made a bad game? That 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 team, like, you know, so they're, they're just impressive, man. They're impressive. So I'm curious to uh, to see what they do with it in the future. So, but we won't linger on it too much longer. We're actually gonna go ahead and move into our number five game. Best games of 2019, number five, Final Fantasy 14 Shadowbringers. Forces of dark and light clash in the latest update to Final Fantasy XIV, Shadowbringers. With a main story quest to enthrall players, Shadowbringers moved the Final Fantasy narrative in unexpected directions. Adding the Gunbreaker and Dancer jobs brought new and exciting innovations to the gameplay, and the long-anticipated V and Rothgar races were exciting additions for fans of the series. Shadowbringers helped establish Final Fantasy XIV as one of the top MMOs in 2019. Okay, coming at number five, Christina's lock and pick, Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. You know, I played Final Fantasy XIV for like a month when it first came out. The second time. When it first came out the second time, I had a great time, and then I kind of like, oh, the PvP sucks. I gotta, I'm a Christian Bale. I'm out of here. God, no, I'm not going to stick with it. <laughs> oh, my God. So tell me why this game is, uh, this game is great. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I've been hearing nothing but great things about it and it's it's really the only it's the closest mmo that's a rival to wow which says a lot so i will say it. the pvp has not gotten uh much better so if that's what you're here for then sorry uh but never have i been so excited for a game to launch and then it finally launches and it exceeds my excitement and expectations Oh my gosh. And I might sound a little biased because I've played 14 for a very long time. I've played since 2.0. Um, and I became more hard, like hardcore right at the beginning of 4.0. So like the last expansion. Um, but man, they really knocked it out of the park for this one. The They took the creator of the one of the job quests that came out four years ago. Her name is... Natsuko Ishikawa, I probably butchered that, but she did an amazing job on the storyline, and I feel like the storyline so far has been, like, okay, it's been enough to keep you, like, into the game, but that's all I could think about. The music is some of my favorite music in a game ever. Like, anytime I was in a zone, I just wanted to close my eyes and just listen to the music, like when there's daytime and nighttime in zones the music changes and it's always a treat uh they readjusted the whole job system so i'm not going to go into too much details about it because if you're listening to this uh you either completely know them or it won't really make a difference but they made everything so much easier to get into but still complicated enough not complicated but like easy to learn hard to master i guess kind of thing the new jobs that they added are a lot of fun. I I just, I could rave about this game all day. This is actually my personal top game of 2019. Um, there wasn't too many other things to come out for me, and I still play it every day. When this game was coming out, too, like, kind of spawned my podcast for it as well, like this expansion to the game, because I started podcasting right before the expansion came out. Um, and I'm still doing it because I love this game so much and this expansion was so good. 
And the launch was smooth right. too. Like the servers didn't go down like a single time. They got DDoSed once and even the community was like, it's okay guys, you've been doing great. Whatever, it's not a big deal. Like I, it was like a perfect launch. It was so good. Yeah, the launch was absolutely amazing. Normally MMO launches or anything like that tend to have always something fucking go wrong and it just ruins the day one experience for a lot of people. This launch was pretty, I would say, I don't want to say it's perfect, but it was the closest thing to perfect I'd ever seen in a long ass time for an MMO or anything of this scale of an online game. Uh, just like the story is amazing. I love all the changes they made to the jobs and how the jo the the classes all felt different in this version and how everything felt like they had their own like unique style to them. The armor is goddamn beautiful. I love the two new races they added to this game. I actually changed my race to one of the new races in this game because I love them so much. Uh, the lore... I uh, like this this expansion pays off on if you have been following the lore of the game from 2.0 all the way to now this expansion pays off on so much of the stuff that you've been paying attention to the entire road up to this point that it's just so good the trials are fucking amazing I love even doing the EXs and I never did the savage trials or the EX trials and stuff like that like, I don't know this, this expansion literally, if like, like just made 14 even better than it already was. And 14 was already looking to be like, uh, a lot of people's like MMO to go to in the year of 2019. I mean, we had a lot of wow refugees come over and a whole bunch of other people who came over from other MMOs to play this game because this was the hot shit like and people still are logging in every day playing the shit out of this game playing the new update content they've been still rolling out new content for this update with great new dungeons great new raid content the only thing that's like a trifle is the pvp is still not where it should be and that but i don't at this point i don't know what they can do to make pvp like a thing in this game well, the rest of the game is probably as good as it is because they don't really focus on it. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. Some people I, I are... I think every... Oh. Go ahead. I was going to say, some people are really into the PvP. Like, I, I don't understand how, but, like, some people are, like, super hardcore into it. So it does have a community behind it, but... Yeah. I mean, I, they... Uh, the thing about MMOs, like, you really find one that has, that has both, right? Because even WoW, I mean... I play WoW PvP, which isn't bad, but in my opinion, it was never that spectacular. The best game, the best MMO PvP I've ever played was Warhammer Online, but the camp, the, you know, not the, 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 the uh, PvE uh, content was kind of lackluster. Like, literally, the PvE content is what you did while you were in queue for PvP. That's what it was there for, you know. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, maybe... The closest one was probably Guild Wars. That's the that's the closest one that probably had the best of both, maybe. Because uh, Guild Wars was built for PvP, specifically. And then they added PvE content, but then it didn't suck. Like, it was actually pretty good. So, yeah. So, maybe that might, that, that might be the best one. I'm going to have to check that statement later. <laughs> so, we'll see. 
Well, if you want to play PvE content, Final Fantasy is where it's at. I want to say the biggest downfall for this expansion is it's an expansion, so you can't just jump into it. And this, so Final Fantasy 14 is a reboot. The original is one called 1.0. So A Realm Reborn is where you would start it. It's called 2.0. 2.0 is probably the hardest content to get through. It is a little unbearable. It's rough. It's very rough. Um, so that's the biggest downfall is you either have to play through the rough content or pay to skip it, but then you miss a bunch of stuff. So you pretty much have to play through it if you're playing for story. Uh, but that's really the only downfall to this. You, yeah, you can buy to skip and you can watch all the cutscenes back at your, oh, you can't watch no, the cutscenes? No, you can, just don't do it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like... It's rough. Like, it's just one of those, like, really hard things. Like, if you aren't already into this game, it's hard to, like, say, go into it new now unless you just have a whole bunch of new players also wanting to join with you. Like, because if you have a whole bunch of new people together and you're all progressing through Realm Reborn, it's actually pretty enjoyable. But, like, it's just hard to enjoy it when you have a mix of, like, super high level who have done this content to God knows when. And then you have, you know, your newbies who are just trying to figure it out. I will say they are working on fixing it though. So this is prefix. I, it might be better by the time you're listening to this, if you're listening to this in the future. Yeah, I completely agree. It could be patched and fixed later. Hmm. Okay. Well, with that, we will wrap up number five. Let's move into number four. Best Games of 2019, number four, Devil May Cry 5. Capcom once again brought Dante and Nero back, this time with a new character V, to hack and slash their way to stopping the Demon King Urizen. Inspired by the RE engine, Capcom brought a more realistic look to the game. Players worked to unlock the secrets of V's history, and that along with fresh gameplay made a game that was considered a return to form for the Devil May Cry series. With Devil May Cry 5, Capcom closed the decade strong. Alright, coming at number 4, Devil May Cry 5. Uh, actually, I kind of moved through all of the Devil May Cry's recently. Wouldn't recommend it. But Devil May Cry 5 is actually pretty... Uh, I found it very enjoyable to play. Very enjoyable. Interesting. And I, I think one of it, the biggest, its biggest strength is also one of its bigger weaknesses, and it's the fact that it has three completely different combat styles to play through. You know, like you know, Nero has you know a certain set of abilities, and we're not talking about you know just like a special ability is different. Like the way you play them is completely different. The way you play Nero is completely different from the way you play V, which is completely from the different from the way you play Dante. Dante, yeah. But the way, but the, I mean, like the game itself is actually very fun to play, and they switch it up pretty frequently. The reason why that's that you know that is its biggest weakness as well as its biggest strength is that switching between the play styles makes it harder to master them. Like when I switch between the different styles or the different characters, it's kind of like, okay, I got to get used to playing with them again, and then like you get back into your groove, and then boom, you get switched to another character, you know. Yeah, it it it's like they were trying to keep the the pacing fresh, like not not let you do one thing for too long of a time frame. Um, but this game fucking rules, man. I don't know. 
The combo system in this game is so good. The way the music revs up as you like start getting your rankings up and then you get to that triple S and the music just comes in super fucking hard and the way you execute these demons and I don't, man, I don't know. This game was just fucking good for me. This was like exactly what I wanted in and out every which way. Like, I don't know. Right. It is definitely pre- easier than previous Devil May Cry games. Uh, I would say it's definitely easier because I was getting triple, especially with V, I was getting triple S's like it was nothing. V is very easy to, to, to get a triple S, but uh, when I'm looking, like, you know, when I'm playing a game, the only character that I didn't get, the lowest score I got was an A. And the only character that it dipped below, I got a B once with Dante. And that was it. You know, probably so because you weren't varying up your styles enough, right? And that's that's part of that's part of the issue. I'm like, if Trickster's working for me, it's fucking working for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, the grading system definitely punishes you for sticking to one thing for too long. Like it wants you to explore every single fucking tool you have, and if you don't do that, the grading system is like, you did the same thing twice in a row. That's a penalty. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's easier to switch it up with Nero and V than it is with Dante. Cause like da- each, well, no, the inter- the functional switching is easy with Dante. Don't get me wrong. Cause it's just a button. You have to press a switch between the different styles, but each style has so many moves available already that you can switch it up so many times in that one style. But like, yeah, like normally when I was going through the other devil may cry games, I was like, you know, when I would first start out with it, I would get like a C or a B until I got into the flow of the game but this one's different like you know like i said my first triple s was with v he's super easy to get when you get all three of your like you know uh you know summons or whatever your familiars out at the same time you're gonna get a triple s rating (laughs) in that fight yeah that fucking Uh, summoning that golem is like so good especially when he just likes he just drops from the fucking sky out of nowhere or he busts through a fucking wall or something crazy like that I always love just summoning that sucker. Now, the golem I thought was interesting because you actually have to use him in a utility fashion to unlock, well, actually to get through some walls or some areas, but also to unlock certain secrets. And I only learned this because I went through, so I started the game on human, which I assumed was going to be normal. I expected the game to be difficult, but human is actually the easy difficulty. So when I realized that human was easy difficulty, I actually had to go back and restart the game. Well, luckily, I was only six missions into it. Uh, I had to restart the game on Devil Hunter, which is actually the normal difficulty. And there was this one level where the first, and I recorded my gameplay. So the first time I went through it, by the time the fight was over, there, this wall was crushed, and I was able to jump through the wall. There's a secret back there. There's also something that you have to get to allow you to get to another secret later in that level. And the second time I did it, I didn't realize, like, I, I, I just expected at some point in the fight for that wall to crumble down, and it didn't. So I went back and looked at the video and saw that the reason the wall broke was because I summoned the golem while I was near the wall, and it broke through the wall, and that's how you get the secret. So I thought that was interesting because you're not, like, unless somebody, like, unless you do it by accident, I don't see how you just predict that that's how it's going to work, you know, so. I thought that was interesting, but no, I I did enjoy the game. I think it's, 
I think, I don't know, I, I feel like it's the best combat de- de- Devil May Cry. I haven't finished the story yet, so I don't know if it's the best story Devil May Cry yet. Mm-hmm. But combat-wise, it's either between this or DMC for me, combat-wise. So I think 3 probably still has the best story for me, but 5, the way 5 ends, when you... Did you beat? Did you finish DMC five like completely? No, I haven't yet. That's what I'm saying. I haven't okay. finished the story yet, so I don't know. I can't say anything on which when, one has a better story. So. When you start fighting like the guy from the very beginning who kicks your ass again, like right. it's man, it, it's it's pretty fucking wild. <laughs> like it gets crazy. It gets anime crazy. Right. Okay. So yeah, no, it's a it's a good game. Definitely. I'd recommend it for sure. And it looks great. I don't think we've actually really talked about that yet. It looks amazing. It uses the RE engine, which, I mean, Capcom, they have done an amazing job with that because Resident Evil 7 was uh, phenomenal. The Resident Evil remake looked really good, and this game looked really good. So the, the RE engine looks good. It is legit. It is definitely it is definitely legit. So And... I don't know, man. I think like if you can play this on PC, like it just it's phenomenal. Like it's the look, it just do it. Like it, it looks absolutely amazing on PC. So yeah, if your PC can run this shit, run it. Like yeah. <laughs> turn that shit on ultra and just get ready for particle effects and just crazy ass shit to be happening on your screen. Yeah, and yeah, it's impressive it's totally that it runs right. at like sixty FPS, like. Over, like depending like, on the card yeah. you have. Well, depend- like, yeah. yeah, on console though, like it's running at yeah. like pretty at sixty. Like, what I think it has to, like it, I think it, like this game it, has to. <laughs> it does, but it's impressive. It looks the way it does and still runs at that. Like you know what that I mean? That is true. I'll give you that. So yeah. okay, well, well, let's go ahead and move into our number three game. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Best games of 2019, number three, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. After several misfires with EA's management of the Star Wars franchise, Respawn was given the task of reviving the struggling IP, and with that chance they more than hit it out of the park. Fallen Order tells the story of Cal Kestis, a young Jedi struggling to survive in a post-Order 66 galaxy. Combining Souls-like combat Metroidvania, platforming, puzzles, and a compelling narrative, Star Wars Jedi is one of the best Star Wars games we've seen in a long time. Clearly, the Force was with Respawn. Alright, coming at number three, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Just another phenomenal job by Respawn. Two games in one year, you know, and this one not being a shooter. (laughs) So, just a phenomenal job by Respawn. I mean, this game is just a mixture of genres, and they did them all very well. Uh, it's like it's a, you can it makes it souls light because well, if you play it on Jedi Grandmaster, 
it gets way more like a like a like what you would expect from a Souls game. Uh, the if you play it on Jedi Master, which is I think that's the difficulty they want you to play it on. Uh, it's a little bit more forgiving, but it's like a Souls like game, but it also has Metroidvania features. It's got platforming and it has puzzles, and it just mixes and matches that gameplay so well together. And then you know, on top of that, has a good story has great writing, has great dialogue, it has great acting from, you know, the the characters cuz all of the characters are like what you would say, I would say like B-list actors, you know. People you've seen on TV and stuff like that or maybe in a movie. Uh even the characters that like, you know, don't have, you know, like let's say they have alien bodies or something like that, they're voiced by people that you if you saw their faces, you'd probably recognize them. Mm, if you're okay. old enough, maybe. Yeah. You know, uh, but it has excellent sound design. It looks amazing. And the finale is, but it was just dope. Like I, I'm really glad I stayed off the internet before I played that game. <laughs> like I played, I played it through the entire internet because who was it? I think it was IGN has a the like Microsoft their review. Commercial. Oh, it was a Microsoft commercial. Microsoft okay, commercial yeah. dropped, and it showed the game, and it showed like. Th- the thing that happens at the well, it showed a major oh. thing that occurs at the end, kinda. And I'm like, why would you? Because luckily, I beat it before that commercial happened. Or like, uh, why would you show that? Why would you show that? Like, that was such a hype moment for me because, like, I didn't know that was gonna happen. Yeah, like it was crazy. Like when it actually happened, when that do- like you know when you get done with the last fight and that door opens, like oh shit! Like I didn't real, I didn't think that this was going to happen here, you know? So like, it's, it was just really good. And I think they just like, well, first of all, you, after you beat the game, actually, I think before you beat the game, I can't remember if it unlocks after you beat the game or not, but there's definitely a dev documentary in the game that you can watch. And I would highly recommend it. Like it gives a, I think that game, like uh, this game has it, and then uh, Hellblade also has a great dev documentary built into the game that you can watch. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they worked hand in hand with Lucasfilms to build this game. Like Lucasfilms has a division that all they do is handle third party content. Like if you're gonna make like a Star Wars title, game, book, whatever you got to deal with these people and they make sure that the sounds are on point. They make sure that the story is on point. Like they're, they're trying to come up with story points and like, well, that would happen here, but it wouldn't happen here. And at this point in the timeline, this, these things are happening and that all they, they all, they put all that into the game and it just comes off. So that's why games like this can be canon because they just fit so well into the continuity. And then the way you progress with your powers in this game, you know, uh, like you, you, the reason, like you're you're a trained Jedi, but the reason why, um, you aren't as powerful in the beginning as you are in the end is because your your connection to the Force is is being interfered with to a degree because of something that happens. And throughout the entire game, enemies aren't less threatening to you; they're just as threatening in the beginning as they are at the end. Even the first stormtroopers with the baton are just as threatening if they actually hit you. Uh, but you just have more tools available to kind of deal with it, right? You know, seeing, because uh, I played on Jedi Master, but seeing uh, three stormtroopers with with weapons uh, and, like, you know, the those the melee stormtroopers 
at the same time at a distance, I'm like, well, fuck, this is going to be a bit of a problem, <laughs> you know? Uh, but then later on in the game with the moves that you get, she's like, okay, I can, I can kind of handle it. So like it just builds your confidence and yeah, it's, it's really dope. You know, there's no fast travel in the game, but the way you can unlock paths and things like that. So that, you know, when you go back to there, so like I said, it is a Metroidvania style game and you will have to go back into certain areas, you know, makes it really easy to get around. Uh, especially since every time you rest, you uh you reset all of the enemies and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, that's it was just a great experience. And even like the exploration, like when you explore, you're rewarded. Like you get rewarded with power-ups and things like that when you explore. And some of the stuff is cool because it gives you extra dialogue and things like that and takes you to places that you normally wouldn't have to go through. Yeah. I would have liked more things than just ponchos. For the most part, though, like there was a lot of ponchos that were used. Yeah, well, that's what he's that's what he's wearing. I know, <laughs> he's but give him, give him some other stuff to wear, bro. Like, you don't just have to wear a fucking poncho the whole game. I but, mean, he's um, a Jedi, not a model. <laughs> have you seen the Jedi? They're pretty much fucking models. Anyway, <laughs> they wear cloth. They wear different types of cloth. <laughs> and, 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 swing la- and with swing laser swords. Yeah, there was like a couple bugs in the game, but regardless of that, I still had a fucking amazing time with the game. Uh, I absolutely love the bad guy in this game. Like the 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 bad the basically the bad person in this game is the most compelling villain I've seen in 2019. Period. Like full stop. Like they are they are pretty fucking badass. They kick your fucking ass. And then when you finally like get to the penultimate moment where you have to deal with them, it's just so good. Like that entire sequence, I felt was really fun. Absolutely, like I thought it was just up and down. I just enjoyed the game. I will say that it is definitely built for PC. Like it is built for PC. Like I saw like on both PS4 and the Xbox, I saw various issues. Like, would you play? Did you play on the PS4, Mike? Pro. Yeah, I played on PS4. PS4, Pro. Pro. Yeah, you have problems with falling through the world sometimes. And on the Xbox One, I think it was the X. Maybe I saw a lot of T poses. A lot of T poses. But the thing is, the game is definitely demanding. But it looks really good. So I, 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 I on PC, I didn't have, I had one problem with one very specific part of the game where, um, like it was the part where those gears are turning, you got to jump from one to the other, and if I just stepped on the wrong part, I would fall through that. But other than that, I didn't, ha- I didn't have an issue. I had some issues with the ropes too. Like even though I'd force pull them, they went and like come to me, or they would like come to me, but then my character wouldn't grab them for some reason. I don't know. It was weird. But yeah. like it was just weird stuff. It didn't really break my experience. It was just like you could tell that if this game had a little bit more polish, like some things could have been buffed out. But like right. it had to come out before Star Wars did or around Star Wars time and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And right. I'm really glad it came out this year. I mean, again, I'm glad it came out in 2019 and not 2020. Because <laughs> 2020 is pretty stacked. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. Yeah, they they did have they did need to get it out ahead of time. But at the same time, like they, uh, more and more games are being prioritized for PC, at least for now. We'll see what happens when the new console hardware comes out. But it may not make as much of a difference. But that's a that's a conversation for a different podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
But okay, let's go ahead and get into number two. Best games of 2019, number two, Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2 was one of the top games to come out in 1998, and it's no surprise that a remake in 2019, addressing several technical issues that made the original as clunky as it was, would be a top game of the modern era as well. Overlaying the original story and setting onto Resident Evil 4's third-person camera work and gameplay, and using Resident Evil 7's spectacular game engine, Capcom brought this survival horror classic to a new generation of fans. All right, coming at number two, Resident Evil 2. Another, just a, a, another great game on the, on the RE engine. The and, RE engine uh, was just, it's just fucking, it, it's just so good. Like, it, it, they are definitely, like, this engine is definitely Capcom's, like, we're preparing for next gen. Look at, look at where we are with this engine right now. Like, just at the start. So, I don't know, man. No, uh, yeah, it definitely is good. And I think our like Resident Evil Two, like we we've seen the Ace, the the remaster, the HD remaster, all throughout this decade, uh, and now we're entering the age of the remake. And you know, we got obviously a big one in Final Fantasy VII remake coming out, but this kind of say I think this kind of sets the bar for how to remake your game, like how to actually make it worth replaying through this game again. Yeah, hundred so. percent. The police, the Raccoon City Police Station is a fucking amazing puzzle box. Like the way that you as Leon Kennedy or Claire Redfield have to navigate this area and deal with zombies that don't just go down with one headshot. Like it's fucking amazing. Like everything feels tense. Everything feels dangerous. I was fucking scared shitless playing this fucking game. It was goddamn amazing. Mr. X is a goddamn meme and I love it. <laughs> like, uh, I just I just love this game. Even though like I am I it took me way longer than it should to like play through it because I'd have to play it in like little breaks because I'd get too scared otherwise because I'm a scaredy pants. But like I just this they did so much right with this game. They they took the spirit of RE2, put it and modernized it, and then improved upon it even then some. Like, Capcom just knocked it out of the park. I, I, I don't know what to say other than that. Like, they just, they nailed it. They, they just, they just, Capcom seems to be back at where Capcom needs to be these days, except for in their fighting game division, which is a whole nother conversation. But, like, Capcom was knocking it, like, ever since Monster Hunter or Resident Evil 7, they knocked it like Resident Evil 7 started, then Monster Hunter World, then Devil May Cry, I mean Resident Evil 2, and then Devil May Cry 5, and now we have Resident Evil 3 remake out next year. I'm just like, Capcom is just like batting a thousand. Like they're just they're just doing great, and it's good to see like them doing great again. I just hope it stays this way. Yeah. There's no I, I'm pretty sure that some of the stuff that we saw in Resident Evil 2, like in this Resident Evil 2, were probably ideas they wanted to do in the first one, the first time around, but they maybe just didn't have the resources. There's tons of stuff that get cut from games. Like, you know, something I, I was thinking about, like a, with, you know, in God of War 2, you had like the wings of Icarus so you could fly and stuff like that. 
And there's like a tech demo out there where in the original God of War, you also had those wings, but they had to cut it out because they couldn't, they, could, they couldn't fit it into the game or it couldn't make it. So there's tons of stuff that happens in game design that they want to do it and maybe they'll do it the second time around, but they, you know, just weren't able to get it done. I mean, look at Vermintide and Vermintide 2. Like, it's the same thing. Like, there's tons of ver- stuff in Vermintide 2 they probably want to put in Vermintide. So they finally got a chance to do that because now they have the resources. And, you know, they already knew they had a, a good base game, a good story, uh, good puzzles, you know, things like that. And they just had to kind of build upon that. And then, you know, shout out to the PC community for making, you know, the Mr. X mods. You know, the X gonna give it to you, the Thomas the Train. Like, come on. Well, like, yeah. I mean, that shit's so good. But it's not just like that. Like, Mr. X, when you if you just leave him alone and not mod him, he is he is a fucking scary ass weird threat to deal with. Cause that motherfucker like hunts you down throughout the entire police station. Like there, it's actually like if you start running or making or shoot your gun or do anything that's loud, he immediately becomes in your area and starts looking for you basically. Like, and he knows where you were based off where your loudest thing you just did was. So, like, it, it becomes a thing of, like, well, do I shoot this zombie and then Mr. X is going to be here? Or do I try to, like, dodge around it? Oh, shit, there's a liquor in front of me. What do I do? Do I kill this liquor and then have to run from Mr. X? Or do I try to, like, get by? Like, there's a lot of, like, dynamic, like, game situations in there where you have to, like, make a decision very quickly. Or you're just going to fucking die. Like, it's it's very intense, very... I just I I just love the experience of this game, even though like it scared me fucking shitless. Like I, I loved it. Like hearing this stuff stresses me out. <laughs> and then we're not even talking about the inventory management. We're like they purposefully like depending on your difficulty you select, like they only dole out so much like ammo and like they only dole out so much uh, you know, health items and things like that. So you have to be careful with that shit. You can't just be like spraying and praying through everything. Uh, Also, if you play on one of the harder difficulties, they bring back the old favorite way of Resident Evil where you have to save with typewriter ribbons. You have a limited amount of saves. So like, and you have to find your saves throughout the world. So you're expected to explore, find these typewriter ribbons and then use them to save appropriately. So like that's that's a whole I didn't do that. That's fucking crazy. Y'all have fun with that. But like that adds a whole nother layer to the gameplay of like, okay, I've gotten some progress. Do I actually save here or do I press my luck and just go a little bit further and maybe I can get some more progress in, you know, like. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Great game. Can't recommend it enough. Right. Yeah, it was tough putting this one into number two, but we 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 believe in the number one game, which we're gonna get into right now. Best games of 2019, number one, control. After the lukewarm reception of Alan Wake and cold reception of Quantum Break, Remedy redeemed themselves with control as Jesse Faden players use their newfound abilities to combat the reality-corrupting hiss. The control scheme makes accessing these powers easy, while also presenting players with fluid and satisfying gunplay. 
Troll's atmosphere feels appropriate at all times, and players will see the effects of each battle with destructible environments. Control is a game that players will not want to put down until the story is done, and possibly not even after that thanks to the optional bosses. Remedy's hard work in Control shows, making it our top game of 2019. Alright, coming in at number one, Control. Which is a fantastic game, and, and my I'm a, I'm a big Remedy fan. And this, this was a redemption game for me. Because I, while I enjoyed Alan Wake... I, you know, I think we, if you if you listen to the 2010 honorable mentions, like the, the reason it really didn't make the list is because of the pacing of the game. Like the game ramps up in the first 30 minutes, uh, you know, kind of puts the gas down for the next hour and then it ramps down and it has to ramp back up and it ramps down and does it over and over again. And the reason they did that was because of the narrative. And then they took the wrong lessons from Alan Wake and applied that to Quantum Break. And that was a mess. <laughs> it was it was a mess. And with control, they just hit the nail on the head. They got the perfect balance between narrative and gameplay with 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 control and the environment with control. Right? Like for me, like control was never. It's like it's not a scary game, and they don't try to scare you with the game. In my opinion, like the. Uh, uh- uh, some some things they might have tried. There's a few so? instances. There's a few instances where I think they made the way that the music comes in and the way the lighting goes down and the red comes out, and then you're dealing with maybe some things you weren't anticipating. Like I think, like I think there are moments where they might have like set it up for a bit of a. Uh, uh, a scare, but I also think a lot of it is in the player's head because it of what is. they're because because of what they're reading. That's that's exactly what I was going to get into. Like the thing about the duck or the refrigerator. Like the, my though, god, the refrigerator, like, fucking refrigerator. Like, <laughs> like the thing about the duck and the refrigerator. Like when you're reading, because they have these documents about these objects and where they found them, who they found with them, what situations they were in, and it's like. When you finally see, it's like, oh shit, it's that duck that was in that document. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what's gonna happen? And then you know, when you finally deal, it's like, okay, well, that wasn't that bad. Uh, I, the, the only, I'll say the maybe the creepiest part. I'm trying to think would be the mirror room. That might be the creepiest one to me because of the buildup. But then it's once again, once you actually get through it, it's like, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Almost all of the parts I thought were gonna be creepy or scary. Uh, when you get through it, it's like I made that way worse than it should have been. Than than it yeah. actually was. Maybe I think maybe the refrigerator is just more fucked up than it is like scary. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I thought I thought no, I thought the flamingo wasn't much, and then it turned into something else, and I was like, Holy shit, what the fuck is with this stupid flamingo? Like right, yeah. <laughs> Like I say, it's, it's got a, the game has a lot of interesting concepts and that's, so like if you just go through the narrative of the game, it's okay. It's good. The narrative of the game is good. The story's good, but the, it's all the stuff that's around it that you find because you're in a place with a ton of paranormal. That's what, the, that's what they do. They deal with paranormal shit. Even the building that you're in is alive. The oldest right? house or whatever. The oldest house. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to be looking for it to see it. 
you can't see it if you're not looking for it, which is is an interesting concept. They kind of explain, you know, all this stuff. So it has like a real X-Files vibe to it. The game looks absolutely fantastic. Combat is smooth. It's fast-paced. It reminds me of Max Payne, but with like paranormal, like, you know, abilities and things like that. And one of the best things about combat is that your effect on the world can be felt in every single fight because you will go into an area that is pristine. It looks phenomenal. And when you get done with that fight, that place is torn to hell, especially with like your uh, telekinesis ability because you can pick up almost any object in the game and throw it. And if there's nothing around for you to throw, you can rip the concrete right off the walls and use it as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Like, it's great. It's 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 the combat is just so fun and, and good, and it varies. Like I think there's only like uh, the number of different types of enemies you come across are are in the single digits, but they vary up, and the way they put them together is actually you know pretty interesting. And I I love the weapon they give you. The uh, I can't remember what it's called though. It's on the service pe- the service weapon. Service the weapon. Service weapon. It turns into the different. St- it turns into different types of weapons. It's so. It's such a good idea, and it's so cool to watch it like mold as you're like switching between your like weapon styles. And they did a good job with giving you uh, modifications that you can apply to those guns, and then like it just feels nice. I yeah. Jesse Faden is a very interesting character in this game. Like hundred percent. I'm. I want to know more. Yeah, and the thing about the service pistol is I I like the way they handle the ammo because it's not you don't reload the gun. It's more about resource management. It's got a like cool you down. don't it's got a cooldown to use the weapon. So it kind of forces you to use your other abilities along in the actual fight, which is cool. And the thing about the service weapon, actually the, the writing in the game is really good because even the gun like has lore. Like, the service weapon itself wasn't always, like, a gun. It was other legendary weapons that you've heard about in the past, you know? The Panopticon is probably my favorite place because the Panopticon has all of the, like, the like some of the biggest paranormal stuff that you will see, right? It even has, like, um, Easter eggs from other Remedy games, you know? So, yeah. it's actually, it's pretty cool. And the thing I really appreciate about Remedy in this game they didn't even start the DLC until after the game was launched. After the game was launched and stable, that's why the D- the DLC doesn't really doesn't hit until March. That's when the DLC comes, the first DLC, the first. Exp- yeah, I know. I'm upset about it, but we'll we'll, we'll get through. It co- yeah, it comes in March. They did add an ex- they did add a new game mode to it, the expeditions. And, which and I there ha- is stuff to do at yet. the and there is stuff to do at the end of the game too. Like they there's tons of cleanup side quests and other stuff to go and fix and do. Yeah, there are optional bosses throughout the game. There's some optional bosses you cannot access until the game is over. Cuz you don't find out where they are. Actually, I'm curious if you go to those areas will they be there? But yeah, there's some optional bosses you can't get to until the game is over. But Remedy did a good job you know, bringing out a new, uh, creating this new franchise. I am curious to see how they can uh, get past this game because the game wasn't really built up. Like it it didn't really feel like it was built up to be a series, right? Like they have like this contained story a bit. I mean, there are some threads that are kind of left open, but we don't know if they're going to be closed in the DLC or not versus like a max, not max pain. Sorry, but like a 
uh, an Alan Wake, which was clearly built to run in a series, or Quantum Break, even Quantum Break, they were fully expecting to do a sequel to that game, uh, which I wouldn't mind seeing on their own. I wouldn't mind seeing it, <laughs> but well, you know, we'll see what they come up with. You know, but now I I had a great time with that game, and I highly recommend you play it, especially on PC. Like, this is another game that was built for PC. Yeah, I play I play this on PC, but also I played on PC to avoid all the problems it had on all the consoles, except for like the Xbox One X. Yeah, even though the console, like the PS4 version, probably has the best outfit in the game because you can get additional outfits. Uh, in oh the game. yeah, the, the PS4 probably has the best outfit in the game. The <laughs> second best one is the one in the mirror room. That's the second best outfit, in my opinion, in the game. But other than that, like, yeah, they just, the game was like super solid. It kept me engaged the entire time. I think I played this entire game over a weekend, uh, about 18 hours I put into it to finish it. And I still have one more optional boss to do, but it is solid. Um, so it has some puzzles and most of the time the puzzles are optional. Like you really, it's not like a ton of puzzle solving in the game, but it's a good game. Highly recommend it. And I don't know. I just feel like the game didn't really get as much praise as it deserved. You know, it, it, I think it had a lot to do. A lot to do with it was with it being an Epic Store exclusive. That, and I also feel like the, I feel like the ending is also controversial, and whether you think it's good or not, like it's debatable. Like, well, maybe not good or not, but like whether you enjoyed how the game ends. Or not is is up for debate. It depends on a person because like right. it kind of ends in a weird way for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I think if you follow Remedy Games for the most part, you kind of expect it. The only game that I I think had like had a climax all the way to the very end from Remedy was Max Payne. That was the only game that had a climax all the way through the very end. But Alan Wake didn't really like it. It had a climax, and then like you just kind of the, the playable ending. It was like it was almost like just a playable ending versus the actual ending of the game. So I'm not surprised, but I mean I can understand why some people didn't necessarily uh, enjoy it as much. They may may have been expecting more, but as a remedy fan, I'm like, nah, I get it. Uh, it's fine. I think the game wrapped fine. So, but uh, yeah, I mean that's it. That is our number one game. You guys have any closing thoughts on 2019? Uh, yeah, it was a more solid year than I was expecting. Unfortunately, I didn't play as many games as I wanted to because, like, you know, a lot of these games you didn't predict were going to do really well, and then they did really well, and you're like, oh, I'm going to play that later, and then you never do. It was kind of my life this year. Um, Also because I got really consumed into Final Fantasy. So I think it was a better year than what we were expecting just following up from 2017 and 2018. I I finished a lot more games than I thought I was going to I uh, was going to this year cuz I thought I was going to pick up games and then just immediately drop them but I ended up actually like finishing a lot more games than I thought I was going to. Uh this year was also the year Kingdom Hearts 3 came out and that was a thing that kind of was a thing but it was a very awkward year for games for me because, like, I had high highs and very low lows this year. So I don't know. It was it was it was interesting, but also I thought it was interesting because there was no like 
I felt like any game could have been game of the year this year. Like it was very, there was no like, there was no like one game that everybody was like, this is the game of the, like God of War. There was no God of War. There was no Breath of the Wild this year. There was no like one game that everybody like circled around. It was like, nope, this is the game of the year. This was, I feel like this, if any year in the decade showed like people's preferences of what they thought was game of the year more so than any other year, because there's just a, there was just a whole variety of style of games that were really good this year. Yeah. Like I would definitely, like it was definitely an interesting year because a a lot of good games came out, but even the list is like very varied, right? Like, you know, like I I locked in modern warfare over the outer worlds and borderlands, you know, because I felt it was, what they tried to do with the game or what they did with the game was not only a great step forward for the Call of Duty series, but like, I think they kind of nailed it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that, in my opinion. Um, and this is from somebody who like, you know, I am not like a Call of Duty fanboy either. So it was very, it was very varying. Like you're right. It has a lot to do. This year had a lot to do with personal preference and things like that, because you know, like the outer world, I, really enjoyed that game also really enjoyed borderlands 3 but this is the list you know so right this is it so yeah you're right it has a lot to do with personal preference like there was just no flat out god of war red dead redemption absolutely game of the year like you know not like that i think a lot of people were expecting death stranding to do that and no like, I, like yeah you know? i i agree i think a lot of people were like well, I guess we have Death Stranding to look forward to at the end of the year to be the big like game of the year contender. And then it came out and it was like very mixed. Like yeah, and be- so and then when that when that got out mixed, it was like, okay, well then it's a free for all. Like any but any game could be game of the year technically this year. Absolutely. Like that that's the thing. Like and like I said, even what like you know my my ten minute rant on Death Stranding like it it comes down to your experience. It really comes down to your per- personal experience. And if you the game this is not a game. It's not a game that you can play it how you want. So many games now are about you playing it how you want. I mean, you even Devil, like Devil May Cry for example. You can play it how you want and get through the game. You'll just have low scores. Uh, Fall in order. You can kind of play the game how you want based on your. Uh, on, on the abilities that you choose. You even said in Resident Evil, you can choose to go out and just run for Mr. X or maybe, uh, you know, be a bit more stealth and in control. You have all these different weapon types and you can choose what abilities you want. They're not necessarily choose, but you know, you can use certain abilities more than others. But no, Death Train makes you play it the way that it wants to be played. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's just in the fact that nobody really knew what to expect. Actually, the funny thing about Death Training. In the previews, they really did show you what the game was about, but people were like, that can't be it. That can't be the whole thing, right? Right? And no, that's that's the gameplay. Like, that's how it is. So. But it definitely was an interesting year. I would definitely say that uh, it wasn't... It wasn't definitely... It definitely wasn't stronger than 2018 or 2017. I think 2017 and 2018 were just that's probably the peak like th- those years might be the peak of this of, of this decade but we'll probably get more into that in the next episode which is going to be the best games of the decade which is going to be the final episode for this series 
And then we'll, we'll then then that'll be it. That'll be done. Like you know, this is not something where we we plan to continue. This is just like it says in the beginning of the show. This is a limited series. So uh, yeah, please make sure that you join us. Like if you've been with us this far, you gotta you gotta hear what makes the best games of the decade. Like I said, there's gonna be no lock-ins. So if you're a uh, support tier patron, that I think that draft is gonna be. I, that might be a long draft <laughs> because yeah, there's a you know there, there's a lot of games that we kind of have to consider, and we can only pick ten for the best games of the decade. So uh, yeah, but I'm gonna start closing up here. Thank you for listening. Like I said before, we're always looking for feedback, so you can contact us at Discord at discord.me/slash/mashthosebuttons. Contact the mashthosebuttons.com or on Twitter at the Mash Network. Are you guys want to give your social media info? Yeah, I am S'mores Pop-Tart on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. And I am Keylock MVP on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Okay, and you can find me on Twitter at Jostradamus. And uh, sometimes I, twi- I do uh, stream on Twitch, but that's on the Mash Those Buttons channel. So twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. And like I just mentioned... Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank the patron supporters. So thank you guys very much if you are a Patreon supporter. And, uh, you know, if you want to become a Patreon supporter to help support content like this, uh, you can do so for as little as $1 a month and receive Patreon bonuses. Uh, for this series specifically, if you are the fan on the fan tier, uh, if you're a fan tier patron, you'll receive bonus honorable mention episodes. And if you're a support tier patron, not only will you receive the honorable mention episodes, but you'll also receive the draft episodes. So, like I said before, thank you guys very much for supporting the network. Uh, we hope you enjoy the content. And, like I said, next episode's last episode. We will see you then. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 